Welcome to the Men on Purpose podcast, featuring dynamic conversations with emerging and established visionary men on purpose. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate the men on purpose who are committed, creative, courageous change makers, living their best, most fulfilling life possible. Now, here's the host of Men on Purpose, Ian Lobos. Welcome to another episode of the Men on Purpose podcast, where we celebrate men on purpose and we provide our listeners, you guys, with the wisdom and the immediately actionable steps to be more purposeful, powerful, and positive in your impact and your leadership on the planet. This is your host, Ian Lobos, and today we welcome a very special guest, Mark Lewis. Now, Mark is an inspiring business mentor. He's a coach. He's a consultant. He's facilitated and moderated CEO roundtables across Louisiana and helped hundreds of CEOs and individuals accelerate their growth both personally and professionally. And that's, that's important to note. We're going to be talking to Mark about that. Mark helps executives and entrepreneurs develop business and human development strategies for growth and prosperity. His winning philosophy is based on creating business strategies that engage a positive cultural environment across all functional operations so that everybody wants to join in. It's so important. It all begins with a give a damn attitude. And that's what we're going to talk to Mark about today is his philosophy, his movement, and his book, Giving a Damn. Right? Yeah, give a damn. Absolutely. Like it's, you got it's it. Interesting. So <laughs> uh, Mark, welcome to the Men on Purpose podcast. Really happy to have you here. Hey, hey thanks for having me. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. Let's jump right into it. So you're a very valued guest for us and you got a lot of great stuff to say. You've been involved in all kinds of stuff and I kind of want to I want to jump into the fact that you've been a businessman your whole life. Like what turns you into a writer and why did you just decide to write a book? Well, if you told me 10 years ago I was going to write a book, I would have told you you're absolutely crazy. I'm not a writer, but in my normal business dealings and seeing what people did in the environment and how they treated people, I got to thinking, why are you doing this? Why are you doing these specific things that can hurt people? And so I um, started uh, recording people and what they were doing, what they were saying, quoting their actions on a dictation equipment. And then I'd get so much information, I translate it on a piece of paper. And then I record more. And this went on for about a year, year and a half. And then I had all this data, and I'm, what am I going to do with it? So I looked at all the data, reorganized it, and then decided, well, why don't you put this in a book, not only to help businesses, but also to help people in terms of how they can be happier, lead a more fulfilling life. And I did a lot of research and information, putting this all together to write the book. Now, I wrote the first book based on what I thought was good, but at the end of the day, my wife told me, see, you know, this is good. She's in education, right? So yeah. she can criticize me and I can accept it pretty good. <laughs> but I always look at things when people say anything about me that I look at it. So maybe there's something here that I need to work on. So I uh, actually hired an editor and a journalist and she took the first book and ran with it, put all kinds of research in. It came out absolutely terrific. So this book is called Give a Damn, The Ticket to Cultural Change. And we have a, a culture right now that's just not conducive to an environment that shows empathy. It's more narcissistic and it's yeah. getting worse. Well, let's talk about that for a second because you bring up a really good point. And, and look, you're going to have people that are listening to this. They're not with you on that. I'm with you on that. I believe that you know, we need everybody in leadership to show 
a not rollover mentality, but empathy towards human life, human thought and emotion and opinion and the relationships that people have and the struggles that people have, whether real or made up, right? You're absolutely right. And the struggles that people have in terms of being empathetic, it's all about what can we do to help other people succeed? And, you know, there's studies out there that show when you do that, you feel good about it, but the other people have a sense of purpose in terms of what they're doing and how they're going forward. There's not enough of that. True leadership has that empathy. Look, I've led a couple of organizations. I could take out the garbage just like anybody else. No role is beneath me. We're all work together as a team for the common good, give out goals, reward those people for achieving those goals and help them grow as individuals. I didn't see a lot of that when the businesses that I've been consulting and once you change that culture, they become happier. And, you know, I heard a statement from a a lady that was in a CEO route of, you know what she told me? She said this, if you take good care of your employees, they'll take good care of your customers. And she's so true. And that's so right. Right. Yeah. Because you have an employee that, And look, I'll be honest, I have been this employer before, hard charging, iron fist, my way, you know, I've been confusing in my leadership, let's put it that way, because I've been, I'll sit with someone as they cry to me and I'll help them because I've been a coach for a long time. And when it came to like my real estate business, I was like, do it or don't do it. But if you don't do it, you're fired. And if you do do it, do it well, do it to a hundred, like, and that's, I didn't have any compassion or empathy to what was going on in someone's life. This is your job. This is what I pay you for. Do it or get out. The problem is that I learned that from generations of men in my family who are entrepreneurs. My dad's a sweetheart, but he also had that attitude. I pay you for a job. You either do it to the highest level or you don't work here anymore. And I think that was detrimental to me in this more modern society, you know, for sure. You know, you bring up a good point in the generations previously. We all had what we call duties and responsibilities. Right. And people really honed in on, hey, you got to do these duties and responsibilities. You got to be this and you got to this. And you do it in a regimented environment. That doesn't work these days. No, not really. You know, with the people growing up and, and the, look, the society has transitioned from duties and responsibilities to more entitlement and uh, privileges. And, and that transition doesn't take into account accountability and responsibility. Look, everybody in this world wants to be loved yep. or to give love. And when you do that, you make other people more secure, they make them happier. And when you show respect and kindness to people, then they're going to feel better. Everything related to the human body and the, the causes of disease is all based on one thing, stress. Yeah, yeah. If you can reduce the stress in your body and help people reduce that and make them feel good about what they're doing, they're going to perform better and they're going to live longer. You know, when people do good things for other people, there's a study out there that shows that they actually live longer because they have the sense of purpose and yeah. satisfaction. Now, who doesn't want to live longer? <laughs> well, live longer with great quality of life, you know, sure. and, and fulfillment for sure. No, there's no point in living from 80 to 105 if you're just laying in a bed somewhere, you know. No doubt. And, and a lot of that, those factors have to do with genes, what you yeah. eat, how you exercise. 
But when you act, do all these things, it, it contributes to your quality of life. Sure. And when we have a better quality of life, you improve the quality of life of other people by doing what you do and caring for other people. Yeah. That's the whole emphasis behind the book. And it works. It yeah. really works. And people don't get that. And that's the problem I'm having with today's society. <laughs> I bet we could have a whole show just on that because, you know, I don't buy the whole, well, that's how my generation did it. Like my parents never said that to me, but I know. I have friends that will say, I discipline my kid like that because that's how my parents did it and that's how my parents' parents did it. And I'll say, and it screwed you up and you're angry at your parents because of that. Why would you do the same thing and continue that, that, that cycle with another generation? Yeah, you know, it, it talks about a, probably a lack of empathy and caring and yeah. do it my way or, or do it the highway. Let me tell you what I think the biggest problem in today's society is. And it's been over time, is, and it's led to, and there's so many factors that led this. I can go, there's nine things in my book that show, that contributes to where I think we are today in terms of a self-centered society. Yeah. And the reason why we become so self-centered is because... When we internalize something that affects us, we actually give a damn, which means we do things. So if it has something to do with your mom or your dad or somebody that you can internalize, then you have a much greater sense of empathy. Yeah. Once we get outside our domain, we don't have that sense of empathy and caring for others, which has led to self-centeredness and led to less empathy. And so, you know, here's an example. The old man's walking across the street. It's in my book. You see this video and he gets hit by a car. He tumbles over. He's laying in the middle of the street. The car that hits him doesn't stop and moves and goes around. The next car moves and goes, I'm going, why aren't you helping this guy out? He's hurt. And nobody would help him until somebody after about a minute and a half, which felt like an hour, yeah. finally came to his attention. All right. And then I saw another video. This dog got hit by a car laying in the middle of the street and this car's going back and forth. The other dog came out and picked him up by his mouth and put him in the uh, median. And here's the ironic thing. The old man died, but the dog lived. Yeah. Now, we're supposed to be more uh, concerning about our other people. Now, why is this mentality like that? Well, there could have been a fear that if I do anything else, something might happen to me. That's a result of the legal system. Sure, so there's sure. so many factors that led to this. Why can't we do what we do to others like we would want us to have done to us? That's the thing. What was it about? Like, what what happened in your life? Like, what was the defining moment when you were like, "All right, enough. I need to write this book." You know, like what was that? Do you remember? Was it one event? Or was it like a series? Um, it probably was a series of that, but you know, what? this sounds like really crazy. One thing that struck me was this, I was driving down the two lane high three, actually a, a, a two, one way highway. It was two lanes. And this guy was blowing, this may sound stupid. He was blowing the grass kippings in the middle of the road right there. Right. Yeah. And it was a, it's a highway, right? So why would you blow in the highway? Why don't you clean it up? You know, he said, well, it's, easier and I'm going if someone did that to you and blew all those grass clippings onto your yard how would you feel you wouldn't like it right. but it's okay to do it in the middle of the street so this culminated and culminated I'm going you can't do that it's just not the right thing to do look people do the wrong thing because they can justify it in their mind as being right and here's a situation where this guy probably said well, I'm going to blow it in the street. It doesn't matter. They're going to clean it up anyway. 
So he's justifying it, right? But it's not the right thing to do. So many people do that, and that's where it becomes wrong. I think most people know what's right and what's wrong, but they justify in their mind of doing something wrong because in their mind it's right. That's the problem. It's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. If I just get it out of my way, it's not, it's now not my problem, not my responsibility. It's kind of put that on someone else. You know how you fix that? Here's how you do it. Well, no, you pretend that your mom or someone that's very close to you is always watching you. Would you do that if mom was watching you or a significant mentor or business coach? No, you'd probably do the right thing or God for that matter. What would you do? If someone was always watching you, and don't give the excuse, oh, it's just some little thing, because all these little things. So they add up. Cigarette, yeah, throwing up, up a cigarette butt or trash out of the window of your car when you're going down a highway. It's not right. You wouldn't throw that in the middle of your living room, would you? No, you throw it away. <laughs> right. Those are the kind of things that you have to think about. That's so interesting you said that. I had a coach once that said, you know, I was paying this guy a lot of money every month. And he said, I'm not teaching you or guiding you through one additional thing until you understand the level of impact that the smallest things have on your life and other people's lives. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, I want to know something small, very minute that you can do while walking, right? You can literally do it just while walking down the street that can have a massive impact, positive impact on someone else's life. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, right? I'll tell you what, man. I came up with uh, something I used to do at my dad's warehouse was I would go outside because one time we had a, a, a couple nails fall out of a pallet. My dad owns a shipping company. And a trucker ran over it. He was late getting back on the road. And he was late. I think it was like the birth of his kid or something like that, right? So my coach coached me to think about a trajectory of someone's life. How can you change? That's what it was. How can you change the trajectory of someone's life in a positive manner by one small act? And I'm like, who knows? I realized that by picking up nails or sharp objects in the street or the sidewalk, what you just did was impact someone's life in a positive way and change your trajectory. But here's the other thing is when you did that, yeah. it made an impact somebody else's life, but they would never know it. Well, so that's the because best that thing. now could have gotten underneath the car. Yeah. And I, I have a, a perfect example. You walk, I was walking across the street going into my business and I kicked this rusty nail. Most people wouldn't pick it up. Right. Right. But if it was in the middle of your driveway, what would you do? Pick it up. You you know why? Because now you can internalize something that affects you. And that's what we have to get together as a society. (laughs) And my thought was, well, if a young lady came down and had a child in the back of her car, and she picked up this nail, went down the highway, going 100 miles or 50 miles an hour, she could have had a blowout. And that could have affected her. So by picking up that nail, I might have prevented that from happening. And nobody would know it. That's my point exactly. It's, it's about integrity to your word, right? That's what you're talking about. Nobody's looking, but do you have integrity right. to do the right thing? And then like, you never know. You, you picking up that nail in that parking space took you one second. Bam, got it, throw it away. A guy pulled in next, could have gotten a flat tire, been late to a job interview, and like his life could have been really impacted or somebody was late getting to the hospital with a, a baby or whatever. You never know. And you'll never know. 
it always has to do with thinking outside our internal domain, yes. what we yes. could do for others. That's that people are having a hard time doing. It's like these protests that are going on with the George Floyd who got killed. If you knew that you were protesting and you were going to your father's location, would you try to knock the windows out? No, you wouldn't do it because now you can internalize and people don't think that way. And how do we change that thinking process? It starts with our kids. I want to tell you something. We were talking about little things that we can do that change the trajectory in a positive manner of someone else's life, right? Without them even knowing it was us. And it just, we're doing it because it's the right thing to do. I used to get two things. One, I never felt like my difference, my effort in a little way could like really mattered. That's one. And two, I was always so kind of overwhelmed with all the things that I could do. Like if I commit to doing small acts, should I pick up that trash and help that guy across the street and pick up that nail? And like, you know what I mean? It got overwhelming until I just picked one. If I see it, you know, I'm not going out of my way, searching streets and getting crazy. I'm, if I see it, if it's in my path, I'm going to take action and remove it from the path to positively impact the trajectory of someone's life going forward, period. So like, we could go down a whole, we could go down a whole rabbit hole with that. I want to make sure we, we talk about some other stuff. But We're good. How did you become an expert on, on relationships from what you've done here? Well, you know, I don't have a degree in psychology right. you know, or anything like that. But, you know, I've, uh, I've run a couple businesses and I've moderated a bunch of CEO roundtables and I've been doing it for seven years. And I come across all kinds of people. And I can tell the good leaders from the not so good leaders. Sure. They're really any bad leaders, but they could be a lot successful. And I've observed all the things that have helped contribute to their success. And it kept coming over and over and over again about how do I change the business culture to improve the success and the growth of the company. And it all came down to relationships. I came down to culture. What can I do to improve the culture? And that culture goes to each individual because everybody's different. What can I do to motivate them? What can I do to have, make sure that they have purpose? And what can I do to help them grow as an individual so they feel good about coming to the company to work? Sure. And that means, you know, all kinds of these things, you know, rewarding them, giving uh, responsibility. It's okay if they make mistakes because that's how they learn. And that's what I preach in terms of trying to help people get their culture and get it to the next level. And I continue. So if I'm an expert relationships, it's because of that. Yeah, and that's that. how I think people succeed and strive and fulfill their lives. It still makes you an expert, right? So, so I, I was on a podcast this morning and I was doing a recording with somebody and she said to me, uh, we were talking about coaching and we were talking about the difference between a coach that has been through and overcome slash transformed from what that other person is now going through. That's the best person to lead you. Whether they have a piece of paper that says they can be a coach or not, being a coach and leader and mentor means that you've been through something and you're reaching your hand back to help someone else out. Not just that you have a piece of paper and now you're okay to be a coach. It's dumb, right? So you're right. an expert because you've been through it and you've lived through it and you've gone through mistakes and successes and you've seen that stuff. And I've learned and I continue to learn over and over and over again. I get great ideas from people. And so my whole emphasis is here's what you can do to become successful, to become happier. 
and by establishing a culture of terrific relationships, focusing on being positive, yeah. being thankful, showing gratitude, being respectful, being accountable, and not feeling like you're better than anybody else. And, yeah. you know, I never felt that way. I never want to feel that way because I'm not, right. but I can help other people along those lines. If you're one of them, as they say, one of the group, they all feel like you're part of a family. And that's, that's all about family. And it's all about creating that culture that then inspires positivity. Yeah. So what do you think that people can do to make a difference in their relationships now? Well, you know, action. every time I go out and... Yeah, it's about action. Anytime yep. I go out, I try to instill something positive. Here's a perfect example. I'm at the grocery store, right? And the cashier's checking me out. She doesn't look like she's in a good mood, you know? So <laughs> she goes, well, how are you doing today? I said, terrific. Oh, she jumps out of her chair. But you know what happens? She's got this <laughs> smile on her face, yeah. right? So I made a difference, even if it was a small difference from that perspective. Saying thank you to somebody when they do something for you, going out of your way to show some type of positive gesture in a way that puts a smile on their face or makes them feel good. Talking to somebody and listening intently about what they're saying and paying attention. It's, it's all about what can I do to help other people? What can I do to help other people to make their life better? And when, you know, I get a lot of satisfaction is when I do that right. and they have a smile on their face, that makes me feel good, right? And so I want to continue to do and develop that, that way of life that can improve people's lives for the better. And, and, and it's not that hard. You know, I got this from Jack Canfield about uh, Brian Tracy. And I read those guys because they're great motivational people. Yeah. When, when I say, you know, terrific, boy, I felt so uneasy. Change is hard, sure. very hard. When I said terrific, oh my God, it's like, that's so uncomfortable. But over time, when you keep doing it over and over and over again, guess what? It becomes part of you and it becomes natural. That's why we have to keep practicing to give a damn on what we could do about for other people. Yeah, I mean, listen, you're talking about building habits and basically shifting a pattern of conditioning that you've had or a thought process you've had for so long. So you just have to, what, be accepting that it's just going to be a little awkward or a little uncomfortable at first and just do it. Saying terrific at a store is, if you're used to saying, if you're the person that says, when someone says, hey, how you doing? You're like, I'm here, or I woke up today, or same shit, different day. Then that's the level at which your brain plays all day to attract things right. and to locate things that you actually want. But if you can change that, just in your language, this is what you're saying, right? Just change your language up a little bit. Get the awkward, who cares, but then feel it and like be enthusiastic about a response to a cashier. You start changing that habit, right? Yeah, when you start changing habit, it becomes part of you. Yeah. And, and well, I'll tell you what, when people have to make a change and change a habit, it's very difficult. But you got to write it down to what I did is like, how many times did I say terrific today? <laughs> right. How many times did I smile, smile today and write it down and create a goal? I'm going to say terrific five times today. As uneasy as I'm going to be, I'm going to do it five times. Or I'm going to smile at somebody five times today or do those kind of things because you set a goal and you keep doing it over and over and over again, then it becomes part of you and it becomes really natural. See, yeah. one of the things that we need to do, in my opinion, is we need to teach kids this at a very early age. Yeah. And I don't think they're getting it. 
that's the problem. And I have my own initiatives on maybe how I can make that happen. You want to talk about them? <laughs> or do you want to talk about well, the <laughs> No, we'll talk about it. Look, kids are where it's at, right? Yeah. And I don't think when I was growing up, you know, I call you a puppy still because you're much younger than <laughs> I'm almost <me>. 40. <laughs> so, yeah. So when I was growing up, you know, my mom stayed at home and we learned values and we watched programs such as Captain Kangaroo. You probably don't know about I that. I know Captain Kangaroo. But Father, <laughs> Father Knows Best or the Brady Bunch, those were all teachable moments. Andy Griffith's show, they were all teachable moments. Sure. Now we don't see those programs on TV anymore. We see this survivor or here comes honey boo boo if you ever remember that show it was like, it was a like horrific, amazing what they horrific did. show it was horrific, horrific. the kardashians you know they teach bad things to I our kids that. and they glorify all this stuff and then guess what now it's almost like it's acceptable oh that's funny or it's become acceptable of the norm and it, it can't be so how do we teach our kids to, to show accountability and respect and and gratitude and please and thank you we start them early at the kindergarten level, right? We teach courses like morals and responsibility like we teach English and math. We got to keep building this character person up to show morals. And I think by doing that and showing gratitude for others and empathy and all that, we can change society. But it's going to take several years to do it. Yeah, it'll, I mean, it, it definitely has gotten loose. I mean, I, I can't tell you that. I haven't watched my fair share of reality shows. However, no doubt. I almost feel like if I were in college again and I got like, I studied psychology and all kinds of other stuff. And if I were in college today, which I probably knowing what I know now, I probably wouldn't have gone to college, but still beside the point, um, <laughs> I would have made one of these reality shows a case study. I literally would have asked the teacher, can I make one of these reality shows a case study? Because if you think about it, it's these people in a fishbowl on TV, right? And they are materialistic, selfish, immature. I mean, think about that. I have a daughter. That's she's four and a half so years true. old. I won't let her watch that stuff now because I'm in control of that. I mean, she, does she watch some stuff that is a little strange? Like, yeah, she watches you know, roomies that I watched when I was a kid, Captain Ron, Home Alone, like there's some bad language in there, some weird right. stuff, but whatever. I would never let her be, her model, uh, intentionally model people like these reality show whack jobs that it's all about money, ego, fame, identity, because it's hollow. Those people have nothing in their lives, zero. It's self-centeredness at its finest. It is, yeah, yeah. It's glorifying yeah a self-centered attitude and kids think it's cool it's funny and yeah, they want to emulate it and that's the problem we can't yeah. but how do you get you know how do you change that behavior and it's hard it you got to teach it a, yeah i know it starts it exactly it starts to. at home yep you know there's a lot of factors that contribute to this to this and i and i i talk about the legal system i talk about technology's been a huge problem in this sense, it increases the quantity of communication, but it vastly decreases the quality of a communication with some people. Yeah. And that's what the you, problem we're what having. Do you mean you by send that? text messages. Well, I can communicate like uh, my grandmothers, or we can communicate via FaceTime, and we can outreach to people that we normally would not outreach. And that is good from a communication standpoint. 
But when I'm trying to communicate, if I have an issue of a problem, we cover up by sending a text message or sending an email instead of sure. going face-to-face. -face. There's a lot of communication that's done non-verbally face-to-face, and we can't pick up on that stuff. We send these emojis, and we don't <laughs> pick up on that. Yeah. And so, therefore, yeah. the communication is not as good. You go outside, you know, you go to a restaurant. And everybody's on their phone. They're not communicating, right? Because they're texting with other people. So it's a degradation of that communication, especially sure. within family unit. So, have and you, ever, you know, there's a lot of... Have you ever sorry. seen, just as a, something sad and funny at the same time, have you ever seen a group of people texting each other while they're with each other? <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, uh, yes, uh, that happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and there's something underlying that you don't want to say to anybody out front. You're keeping it inside. And usually it's critical. Yeah. Probably, right. It's probably. critical. If it was positive, you probably would say it, but you would. Okay. Well, I also think there's a, there's a level of communication of skill in communication, which I feel like comes with a level of understanding one's emotional intelligence, vulnerability, their like true honest opinions and how to regulate and understand their own feelings. Because I think more people stay quiet when they just don't know how to, they don't know how to express themselves, right? And they'll more, they'll go more towards like an angry or mean or stay quieter because they just can't express how they feel. If they're feeling angry, they don't, they don't want to jump on you, but they don't know how to tell you with simple English, right? Simple spoken word. So I, I understand that. And like one of the things that we teach my, my dogs, my son's only three months old or maybe almost four months old at this point. But my daughter at four and a half, like we've taught her for a very long time. Like you can get mad. You can express yourself that way. And can you also tell us what you're feeling? Because if we just see you explode and start crying and which she very rarely does, but if she hits the ground in a tantrum, most adults would sort of reprimand that, but this is a person that doesn't understand their own emotions. How can you reprimand a two-year-old for having a temper tantrum? Just tell me what you're feeling. Mad? Cool. Got it. Well, the thing about that, Ian, is this, is that when we feel vulnerable in expressing our feelings to somebody, yeah. it's viewed as, A, they're not very strong, but B, there's no sense of openness that the person you're expressing your feelings to will see that from an empathetic standpoint or understand it. We automatically feel like they're going to criticize or condemn or complain what we're saying. So get over that. That's silly. <laughs> right. Instead of trying to understand what we're feeling. Yeah. So the problem with most people when they communicate is it puts you on the defensive. Most people would feel defensive if you criticize, condemned, or complaining about anything. Yeah. You become defensive. And my point on anytime anybody says anything, and this is hard because I've learned this over the years, says something, I always feel there's probably some little element of truth in it. And therefore, I don't get defensive because I try to look upon their perspective, what they're saying, and how that might relate to me. Not that they're going to try to, you know, they're not doing it to be belligerent. Most people aren't. But how can I view what they say as being somewhat a little bit truthful and I don't get defensive? Let's discuss this even more. Most people, you know, here's a perfect example. I'll give you an example. I was walking, this when I was younger. I was walking in this bar. And I was with a bunch of guys, and this guy came over, this really good-looking girl, burly guy, right? 
course, being me and young and hormonal sometimes, I looked at that girl and she was beautiful, right? And I couldn't, you know, wow, you know, and she came up to me and like, what are you looking at? I'm going, whoa, you know, I go, I'm sorry, what are you looking at? I said, is that your girlfriend? Now, I knew how to handle the situation, yeah, yeah. right? I said, is that your girlfriend? And he goes, yeah, well, it's it to you. I said, well, I'm sorry. I was looking at her. She's very beautiful, and you're very lucky to have such a beautiful girlfriend. Now, what's he going to do? He's not going to punch me in the face. I could have said, the guy could have come up and says, he could have said, oh, what are you looking at? I'm going, whoa, what's your problem? Right. Oh, so now he's on the defensive, and he, it just escalates, right? I didn't want to escalate that. So a guy walked around and said, I'm really sorry. I apologize. So, like, I'm really sorry I looked at her, but you're a lucky guy, and I'm, I apologize. And he walked away, and that was yep. it. Love and it. so like, I got caught, but I could I mean, it could have erupted in a flight because that's where an ego would come into play. I had no ego. Of course, he could have beat the crap out of me, yep. but I didn't want him to. But I didn't have an ego that I was better than him. I didn't want it. I didn't want that. I just say, when she, I was being very truthful because she was pretty. So anyway, yeah. how so we communicate us- with people is really important. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So tell us about the the give a damn movement. So, you know, I've been going at this and I continue to drive it. And what I'm trying to get the message out there is really, we need to start thinking outside the box, the box being me as an internal person about how we treat others and how we can make their lives better. So I wanted to create this movement where we all would engage and join the give a damn movement and find ways. And I'm still moving this forward and, and doing all kinds of things to project to make this where we have a grassroots campaign where everybody knows what it means to give a damn. And so I'm trying to get everybody to join and to follow me on this. So right now I have about 13,000 followers on Instagram, but I want to get to a million. I want to get to two million. I want everyone to understand this is really important for a couple of reasons. One, you're going to be happier. Two, you're going to live a longer life. For the most part, I mean, of course, you can't predict everything, but right. the studies that show this. And you know, the other thing about this, and I, people who are not religious, if you're religious, you know why you're, people are more religious, they have something they can grab onto. So the more religious you are, there's Ohio State University said, you're going to live four years longer than those people who are not religious. They did a study on it. So you know why? Because now you have somebody you can grab onto or somebody that you can relate to, someone that can relieve that stress. All this stuff contributes to a better life, a happier life, a longer lasting life, a better quality of life. All these factors enter into the give a damn movement. And I want to change society because it's going down a path of destruction. God, I love that. I think that he just mic dropped, my friend. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, yeah. Well, look, that's our time. I mean, you and I could talk for hours. I'd like to actually have you back on the show for an update in about six months, maybe the end of the year, just to see how the movement's going. And um, I, tell, can, tell, I'd love your support for that. That would be yeah, very helpful. Actually. Absolutely. I mean, look, this is about men being on purpose, not not just for themselves and for their own internal worlds and relationships and stuff in their, in their orbit, but for the planet as well. That's why I always say like for your leadership on the planet. And so what can our listeners do to support you? Where can, where can they go to, to support you? 
Well, thanks for, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on it. This has my been pleasure. terrific. I've had a lot of fun. You <laughs> me know? too. And, and my purpose, it, this, you know, this is a perfect uh, podcast for me because my purpose is to make a difference in other people's lives and make a difference in the world. That's my dream. That's a huge dream. Everyone think you're crazy. But I always say, look, there's a saying that says, people who are crazy enough to change the world are usually the ones who do. Steve Jobs. So I may be crazy doing this. So, you know, there's a couple things you can do. Go to giveadambook.com. And join and put, there's a thing that says join the movement. It says take the American Accountability Pledge. Hmm. That pledge is you agree to do these, there's like five, say I will be morals, I respect, and all those kind of things. You know what other thing we haven't talked about is what? I've created this Congressional Accountability Pledge. And I sent my book, my point is I'm going to send, I sent an email to everybody in Congress, 535 of them, about this book. Then I want to send it to him. Guess how many people have responded? Uh, I'm going to guess zero. <laughs> You're right. Now, they only responded because they wanted me to join their like email list, right? Congress needs it more than anybody. So I'm, I'm trying to get Congress to take this accountability. Plan. But go to giveadambook.com. Check out our website. If you agree, sign the American Accountability Pledge. If we can get to a million people, we can get to two million people. We're going to make a difference. I love that. Absolutely love that. Mark, you really, you are definitely a man on purpose, my friend. You really are. This has been, <laughs> yeah. this has been great. I, I can tell you that I've had a lot of fun with this. I know the audience is going to pick up on this too. So thanks so much for being on. One more thing. Sure. You can go on Amazon.com and buy the book. And guess what? If they send me an email, you know, and they buy the book on my website, I'm going to send them this give a damn bracelet because we have to be consistently reminded of what it means to give a damn. But when you're on here, look, I forget sometimes too. Like I threw a piece of paper in the garbage can the other day in the bathroom and I started to walk away. I said, no, I missed. I'm, I got to put that in the garbage. You yeah. know? So you have to be continually reminded of this. You want to know something <laughs> so cool? I, that reminds me of something when, um, so I've been, I, I'm part of this personal development culture and it's called Landmark. I don't know if you ever heard of Landmark Worldwide or Landmark Education, but it is one of the most phenomenal seminars and programs I've, I've ever been a part of. In their latest, in the latest one that I took, the, the Introduction to the Leadership, Introduction Leaders Program, they literally tell you up front that you're going to have to do stuff that is going to be awkward. And one of those things is making sure that when you leave a bathroom, public or private, you leave it better than when you came in. Not the toilet, the sink, yeah, right? The yeah, sink. Exactly. Like, don't, be, don't get weird with it. Don't get to clean a toilet. But <laughs> like they say, take an extra 10 seconds. You're not in that much of a rush. Take an extra 10 seconds and just clean the area so that the next yeah. person coming in, they have a fresh sink and they feel better about it because most people are grossed out in bathrooms anyway. Yeah, right. You're not going to get a disease. Nothing's going to happen. I mean, granted, that was before COVID. So like, be careful. But still, those little things can make a huge difference. And that's what you're talking about. Like, you actually give a damn about your fellow man and what your impact is. And you're getting off the central internal domain mm -hmm. of which you operate to get external to the people that you can make a difference in their lives. And it's one little act at a time. And all these acts keep going up and up and up, and we can make a difference. Yep. I love that. All right. That's our show. So I want to thank, uh, I want to thank our guest, Mark Lewis. Remember you can find out about Mark or Mark's book by going to give a going to Amazon, find out anything else you want to know about Mark on uh, men on purpose podcast.com forward slash Mark Lewis, M-A-R-K Lewis. And then 
remember, if you like the show, review this thing. Give us a give us that five star review. Thanks for downloading. If you want to give some constructive criticism, I'm always looking to make sure that the show is the best it can be. I'm the best host I can be. You can send me a quick email at listeners at mentalpurposepodcast.com. So again, Mark, thanks so much for being here today. You're terrific. Thanks so much. You get it. We need more people like you. And as we go forward, we're going to make a big difference. Thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. It makes my, a difference. And I've, I'm blessed. My absolute pleasure. So again, mentalpurposepodcast.com forward slash Mark Lewis. And remember, we all have a choice. Choose to be on purpose. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks again for listening to the Men on Purpose podcast, where our mission is to educate, elevate, and activate every man to truly live their best, most fulfilling life possible. To find out more about the podcast, our guests, or becoming a man on purpose, visit menonpurposepodcast.com and choose your most purposeful path forward.